0: It's a special Mowins Mailbag episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. You can send in any sports questions on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Cindy Pod or the Lee W. Mowen. Get involved with the local Cindy Sports Podcast and get your questions answered by a knowledgeable broadcaster, announcer, writer, and podcaster. Music provided by Music Radio Creative. Now, here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. That's right. It's a special edition of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Episode 194 is on the way, and we're going to make it a dedicated Mountains mailbag episode. Thanks to everyone that sent in questions. You'll get credit once I answer the questions. Got a few of them here in the old mailbag, or more accurately, on the Microsoft Word document, but hey, it counts. So everyone, thank you for sending in questions and hopefully this becomes a regular staple on the podcast. Maybe not every month, but you know, a few times a year, that sounds like fun, right? So, let's begin. Don't forget to visit the podcast website sindepod.com. That's where you can find your favorite platforms to listen in on the podcast. Just found out from Spotify's wrapping up 2020 thing that all the podcasters seem to be sharing. This year in 2020, there was 4,054 minutes of material uploaded to this podcast, which is crazy to think considering that how long was it that we had had a break in sports? So yeah, uh, over 4,000 minutes. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, Thank you to all the guests that appeared on this podcast. Uh, Definitely appreciate it and definitely Really good listening material, if you haven't heard any of them. Again, the place to go is Syndaypod.com. It's time for Malin's Mailbag. And now it's time to answer the questions. That's what the Rodecaster Pro just said, right? So, we'll start off with the first one, and previous guest JT Zabo Ask, you think we get through the winter to crown high school sports champs or nah? Well. <laughs> I I thought about I thought about all these questions how I want to answer them just so, you know, you don't hear a lot of uh uh ah uh, but that still might happen. Anyway, will we crown high school sports champs this winter? It can go either two ways, which I know is kind of a BSPN answer, the uh, worldwide leader of BS, but It really just depends what happens with the coronavirus and the vaccine updates and everything. If numbers get worse, especially when it gets colder, I say no. And I think it ends uh, before we get to the point we did where we were about to crown girls basketball champs, boys basketball champs, ice hockey champs, and wrestling as well, I, I think that if it gets shut down, it's going to happen earlier than it did last season. Now, if the numbers kind of drop off and, you know, spaces and hospitals and ICUs, intensive care units uh, open up, then, yeah, we crown high school sports champs. And I I'm just trying to think, you know, of, you know, everyone involved because there's no outdoor sports in the winter. It's too cold. But, you know what? My honest take is we'll probably crown champs. I think eventually the numbers will start to dwindle down. I hope that's just, you know, hopefully that happens and not just my curious optimism on that. But I honestly think we will crown champs. I know the heads at OHSAA are definitely, you know, green lighting winter sports as you can tell um you know we got ice hockey going basketball's just heating up I think wrestling starting to go swimming bowling chess which you know I, I still can't believe there's chess as a sport that's awesome uh, hopefully one day I get to broadcast chess apparently there's a chance for me to broadcast bowling which uh yeah that's a first for me so hopefully that does come true Uh first chance to broadcast swimming, but that's before everything's official. So I don't want to, you know, count my chickens for the hatch. So JT, yes, I think we do crown high school champs this winter, but things have to go, you know, the right direction. If it keeps going up, 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 and, you know, all the counties turn purple, which is in Ohio level four, severe outspread, then no, but I think we crown champs. So, a lot of these next questions are from the good folks at 12 Ounce Sports. Definitely check them out, 12OunceSportsRadio.com. A lot of great podcasts, live shows, and articles uploaded by these fine folks. So, thank you to one and all for sending in questions. And I sincerely hope that I got all of them wrote down on my document and I didn't miss any. If I did, uh, please let me know. It'll be on episode 195. So... Um. So we'll start off with a Reds question. This is from the Sports Stance. They do great work, as does everyone that is putting questions to Malin's Mailbag. Who should the Reds focus on in free agency? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, definitely. Okay, first I like to talk about Archie Bradley not getting a contract after you know his one year with the Reds. Bradley pitched seven and two thirds innings. And the Reds got rid of Stuart Fairchild, which I thought would have been a great Red to have in the outfield. But, you know, I'm no scout or anything. And Josh Van Meter, who, you know, 2020 kind of struggled. So I, I didn't mind that. But to only have Bradley around for seven and two-thirds innings, not even eight full innings. Uh, and he did good work with Cincinnati. He's one of the more reliable, you know, players back-end bullpen pitchers out there. So I don't know why you don't offer him a contract unless, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, the, I think the keys to free agency for the Reds, find a good shortstop with a good bat and find bullpen relief. Definitely bullpen relief is one of the things that I'm looking for. The outfield's fine. Um, Castellanos, Already uh, turned down his uh, option to leave Cincinnati, so he'll be back for 2021, and I think we'll expect a good year for him. Him, uh, Winker, uh, Shogo Akiyama uh, is in the outfield. That's already a couple good outfielders out there. Uh, now, Brian Goodwin, who was acquired by the Reds, I think from the Angels, he is not one of the Reds that got offered a contract, so he's out, but... Outfield is fine. Infield, like I mentioned, shortstop. You got Suarez at third, you're good. Vado at first. Mustakas at second. He can also, you know, handle first if needed. It's just really shortstop. I mean, last year eh, I mean Jose Garcia is the future. No question. I think he'll do quite well with Cincinnati. And I'm looking forward to seeing the time where he will become the full time shortstop for Cincinnati. I don't think he's there quite yet. Give him another year to kind of grow. I, I don't know. Maybe put him in AAA or whatever the top level of the minor leagues is going to be. Uh, maybe keep him on as like the part time shortstop. But I think he needs at least one more season to grow and get accustomed into MLB. So definitely shortstop is my big wish list. Uh, DD Gregorius, former Cincinnati Red. You know, that'd be a good contract. I still wish we didn't get rid of Jose Iglesias. That's still one bat that I wish didn't slip away. I mean, heck, he, he has, what was his average? It was close to 300 his one year in Cincinnati. Then he took a deal with Baltimore, and now he got shipped off to Los Angeles, Angels of Los Angeles. I I I still wish the Reds didn't let him go, but that's that's just me. I don't know if I'm in the right for that. I don't know if I'm in the wrong for that. That's just my personal take. So yeah, definitely shortstop. Um, Gregorius for me would be a okay. I mean, he's available. He knows Cincinnati. He came up in the Cincinnati farm market. So farm system, farm farmers market. Yes, but shortstop is definitely the top of the line for me, and then relief core. I I still don't know why the Reds let Bradley walk unless they're about ready to give him like a long contract. I don't see that happening, but bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. Yes, it got better as the season went on. I mean, starting rotation, leave it. Now, hopefully Bauer does come back. I have a gut feeling he'll get offered a good contract for Cincinnati, but maybe I'm wrong on that. So, yeah, Bauer definitely in the free agent market. I I'd say go after him, too. Uh, shortstop, Bauer to keep in that rotation, and then just bullpen relief. I want arms that are ready to go. Amir Garrett, good to go. Keep him in there. Uh, Closer-wise, I don't know if Iglesias is cutting the mustard anymore. I mean, since David Bell took over, he just hasn't been the same. I mean, rock solid under David Price, but since then, not so much, and uh, I, I don't know what's changed. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's time to look for a new closer. Maybe ship off Iglesias, Rysell Iglesias. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not expensive, so you know, maybe. I don't know, but yeah, I, I'd say bullpen relief is definitely uh, some of my uh, free agent wants. So that's that's who I think the Reds should focus on. Great shortstop, get Bauer locked up, bullpen help because you're going to need it. And everything else, I think, will work itself out. I just hope the bats actually do as well. So that's one from the sports stance. The second one from the sports stance involves the Cincinnati Bengals, which um, yeah, they lost last time, which is weird. Um, leaving Oxford because I was broadcasting an ice hockey game, leaving Oxford and listening into the last moments of the Bengals game. You know, the after getting. You know, a giant stop on the New York Giants and then fumbling on the very first play to seal the deal. You know what? I'm not angry on that loss. You know, Burrow's out. He's not coming back this year. Get a great offensive line going. Protect him. He's the cornerstone of this franchise. You can't have him get hurt again. Although there is news that his surgery did go A-OK and he should be fully recovered by season start. So, yay. Yay. Now, the Bengals. Do the Bengals take a top quarterback in the draft and try and flip them or Burrow the following year once he's selfie? No. Oh, by the way, that question's also from the sports stance. No. And I'll tell you why. Like I mentioned, Burrow is, Burrow's the future. I mean, the way he carries himself, his attitude, he doesn't blame others. He learns a lot. He's, you know, he's critical of himself where he knows where to improve next time around. I, I no, Burrow stays in Cincinnati. If the Bengals get rid of Burrow anytime soon, then, uh, yeah, you're going to have a lot of people angry at uh, Mike Brown and everyone involved in the uh, Bengals organization just because of the fact, yeah, like I said, Burrow is the future, and I don't see him going anywhere for a good long time. I, I I still stand with my take on the Bengals need that offensive line improved. Yes, I still think Quentin Spain was a great signing, but that's the weakness. If the Bengals don't improve the offensive line, whether it's through the draft or free agency, it, we're going to have the same result as this year where it's looking like it's another two-win season. Th- that's, that's unacceptable to me, and... No, so I I don't see the Bengals doing that. I don't see, but, you know, let's see how they do. I still think they go after the um, offensive lineman from Oregon Sewell, and I think, uh, I think he will be a nice addition to the Bengals. That's assuming that, what is it, New York Jets and Jacksonville both take quarterbacks? We'll see. I mean... New York Jets, they <laughs> what don't they need? They need new head coaching staff and everything. In my eyes, but I mean, when the head coach is saying he he's doomed, what would have been the franchise quarterback Sam Darnold? <laughs> Jacksonville, I man, ten straight losses. That's rough, including one to the Cincinnati Bengals. I I still think the Bengals need to go after the offensive lineman for Morgan and Sewell. That's my take. So, no, I don't see the Bengals doing that. Will they probably do that? No, they'll probably just draft a wide receiver in the first round. It's like, oh, wow, now we got multiple weapons. But uh, still, the offensive line is as strong as paper towels. Gotcha. Loud and clear. So, this next one's from Jeff Beck. He helps run 12-ounce sports. And he's the one that got me aboard on 12-ounce sports radio. I promise I'll start writing soon. It's just... (laughs) <laughs> when I have time. Is Moeller a shoe in to win a basketball state title this season after COVID ruined their three-peat opportunity last year? Great question, Beck. And yes, and I'm not saying this blindly because yours truly got to uh, PA announce there's got to be a better term for that. I mean, broadcast is broadcast. Announce, announce, I guess, I got to announce a Molar basketball game. In fact, two. Um, the JV and varsity games against Walnut Hills, out of the Eastern Cincinnati Conference, varsity team look wonderful. And in fact, second half they they much improved. They shut down Walnut Hills shooting. Yeah, I I think Moeller is you know, I think Moeller is in. I mean, I think they're a favorite to win the state title. in. You know, well, what does the rest of the state have? I mean. I think they're the best, definitely the best in Cincinnati, and you know, around the Dayton area. If anyone takes down Moeller, then they have themselves quite a team. But that's a tough task. So, yeah, I think Moeller will win state title if um, you know we have state title games. Uh, just the size, the depth they have, and the shooting. I mean, it was a lot of fun announcing that game, and I want to thank the Archbishop Moeller family for allowing me to. Come in and announce that game. It was a lot of fun. Uh, basketball for me is a sport that I don't have a lot of opportunities in paing. In fact, I think, well, just in previous few years, the last three years, I've done three games, and both of them have been or both opportunities come in on fill in role. So you know, it's a sport that I know how to announce. It's just I don't have a lot of opportunities in. And I miss announcing the All-Star Games in, well, now it's in Granville, but uh, the Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Association Girls All-Star Games. They have someone else doing that now because I I had to miss a year. But that's okay. Uh, Anyway, that's not important. What is important is, yeah, I think Mulder is in great hands. I mean, just, yeah, uh, that's why I think uh, senior uh, Logan Duncombe, Impressive couple dunks. He is going to Indiana University to play with the Hoosiers next year. So, yeah, I think Moeller wins the uh, boys' basketball title this year. But we'll see if there's anyone from the Northern Ohio quadrant that can uh, challenge them. But I think Moeller's a favorite. So definitely really good question, too, just because, you know, if you go back, what is that, episode 192? Yeah, it has to be 192. Tony and Seth are talking about, you know, there's great D1 talent. I mean, Moeller's not the only one, but at the same time, they're kind of at the top of the mountain. And if anyone can overthrow Moeller, then, hey, you know, that helps definitely. Lakota East should be really good in Cincinnati this year. Senneville, Wayne, definitely big rivalry, and definitely two top teams in Dayton to watch out for. I I recommend going back because Tony and Seth know their stuff, and they're going to start broadcasting games As well, So definitely give them a listen to and give them a follow as well. That's episode 192. And thank you, Beck, for the question. Yes, I think Moeller is a favorite to win it. So let's talk a little hockey. I got a couple hockey questions here, and I love it. Uh, We'll start off with the World Hockey Reports, uh, World Hockey RPT on Twitter. Best rink in Ohio to broadcast from? Well, right off the bat, the answer is Nationwide Arena. That's where the Blue Jackets play. I've never gotten a chance there. I almost did. But then I was told someone, like, oh, they don't allow laptops. And it's like, really? But, eh. Uh, That would have been Beaver Creek versus Gahanna Lincoln, and then both the Beavers and Lions would have stuck around to watch the Blue Jackets game, which I forget who they were hosting. But, yeah, I'd say Nationwide Arena, that'd be a dream come true to broadcast from, you know, up top you know, uh, Heritage Bank Center—that's the ECHL home of the Cincinnati Cyclones. That's a great rink to broadcast from. Unfortunately, I did apply for the. Unfortunately, I did apply. I did apply for the opening, and unfortunately, I got shut down, and I'm not one of the finalists. So, you know, whatever. But yeah, I, I love broadcasting the Mueller Saint Xavier game last year. Uh, perfect view. I just wish I had a cameraman with me at the time to help out. It wasn't a one-man show. But, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, Hopefully, I get another opportunity to do that soon. Uh, This year, though, Molar St. X aren't playing at Heritage. You know, you can thank the virus for that. But, yeah, that's one of my favorites. Uh, Now, sports, the rest of the rinks I'm going to cover, they're not bad places. And, in fact, I like broadcasting no matter where I go. So we'll start off in Cincinnati, Northland Ice Center. It's not too bad. Not a lot of room to wiggle. Uh, They they do have a platform up top, but uh, yeah, good luck getting up there. Um, But normally we just broadcast in front of the stands and everything. And uh, for the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League uh, Championship last season, man, it was packed with Talawanda and Beaver Creek fans. There wasn't a lot of room to wiggle and we were right up on the glass um but yeah it's that's a nice rink and very very cold so if you like cold you like northland uh sports plus the canadian rink is a little tough to broadcast from there's a little table right next to the home bench and you can set up there however they decided to put up i think it's uh What was it, a hockey sticker or a synchronized skating sticker? Like, this is how you skate and stuff like that. Yeah, it blocked the view. So what we had to do is we had to stand on that table, which isn't very sturdy. We had to stand on the table, put the camera there, and pretty much everything else had to go underneath the tripod and set up there. The camera was over the glass, and I was worried one puck hitting that, and that's kind of it for me. Uh, But uh, luckily that didn't happen. The USA rink... At Sports Plus is wonderful, and I'll tell you why. Because there is a desk in the middle of the stands with Ethernet with speeds up to uh, what was it? Close to 400 megabytes per second. So yeah, we're talking Zoom. How do I get this internet in my house fast? Um, but yeah, Ethernet right there, perfect view, and you know all you need is the ESPN banner, and you feel like you're on top of the world. So that's one of my favorite. Uh, spots in Cincinnati, Sports Plus USA rank, especially when we get the desk. That desk was built for the University of Cincinnati's uh, club hockey team when they broadcast their games. Uh, UC's club hockey team, Dynamite, definitely one of the tops in southwest Ohio. Uh, South Metro, that's my main base of operations. I like it, and luckily with uh, TKDS Sports coming in, our camera is now down on the ice, so we don't just have the straight-ahead view. Uh, what we did in years past. What's nice about TKDS coming in too is the fact that it's a crew. I don't have to worry about it, all this by myself. It's not just me setting up equipment and just going to work and that type of thing. I had people to help me, so definitely appreciate that. Uh, Kettering Ice Arena is probably my favorite in the Dayton area just because of the crow's nest. You walk on top of where the off-ice officials are. You got a nice platform. You got a nice view Unfortunately, it seems like Kettering Ice Arena isn't hosting hockey because um, it appears the Beaver Creek Beavers and the Alta Knights are now playing their home games at South Metro for the foreseeable future. And that you can think because Kettering uh, shut down most of their rec programs in the winter, which, you know, totally get because, hey, you, know, you got to do what you can to prevent the virus from spreading around. You know, Montgomery County is still at a level 4, and I think most of the stars in Southwest Ohio have gone away, and Franklin has dropped down to a level 3. But nope, Montgomery County is still at a level 4. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about that too much, because then, yeah, I, I don't want to get angry on here. But... Yeah, City of Kettering, this is from Dayton Daily News, City of Kettering postpones, cancels, reduces its winter sports programs. So that's tough because if there's no access to Kettering Ice, then that leaves three rinks in the Miami Valley that are open. Well, technically four at Goggin. But um, did I really say Guggen? Sorry. Goggin at Oxford. But in the immediate Dayton area, you have South Metro and then Springfield, and then Troy, and then Oxford. That's it. So, yeah, that's a big loss. This is by Daniel Susco. The article, going back to DDN, from December 2nd. City of Kettering has announced that it's postponing, canceling, or reducing the size of several of its winter programs to meet state and county public health guidelines. These changes will begin Thursday and run through December 20th. Adult basketball is canceled for the remainder of the season, Uh, Youth and junior basketball is postponed. Hopefully they'll start December 20th. Adult and youth hockey temporarily canceled with start dates to be determined by December 20th. And swim team and open swims reduced in size. City facilities will remain open to the public and the city will also continue to require masks throughout its facilities. As well as establishing distancing and frequency of sanitation. So yeah, that makes it tough. So, a little news for you there. Uh, Looks like Beaver Creek and Alter are calling South Metro home means there's four teams calling South Metro home. Springboro, Mason for this year, Beaver Creek and Alter for the foreseeable future. So, there you go. Uh, But going back to my favorite best rinks to call from. um, Yeah, Kettering, I love the view. Uh, NTPRT, Chiller, uh, with the slow internet speeds, that's not fun. But, calling from the Mezzarine. All the chillers have Mezzarines where it's on the second floor and you're overlooking the rinks. Now, the ones in Columbus, normally there's two or even three sheets of ice. So, you know, the Mezzarine stretches out. But because Springfield only has the one, it's it's a smaller room. I like that design. And I honestly think that's, you know, that's not bad. The only thing you're missing is the sounds. Like, you, you don't... Unless it's a really big check in the boards... You don't hear the sounds as well on top because you're cu- you're covered in with glass, so it's a little bit warmer. But you lose that. I feel you lose that intimacy with the game. You don't have the noises of you know going for the puck, sticks chopping, skating, stopping, you know, pad saves, the puck bouncing off players. You know, you get what I'm saying. So the chillers aren't bad places to broadcast from. But you do lose that, unless you're in the stands, which, yeah, good luck with that. I I don't know if you actually can broadcast from the stands. You know, I, I take that back. I, I'm remembering the Easton Chiller. <laughs> that was my very first high school rink I went to, uh, starting off with the Centerville Oaks back in 2016. The Bezzarine is actually open air, so you do hear all that. It's just most of them that are closed off. I think the Dublin Chiller's like that. I know Chiller North is like that. Springfield Chiller, definitely like that. But the Eastern Chiller, there's not like that. It's like open platform. I think Dublin might have that too, where it's just, it's you're on the second level, and right in front of you is one rink. You can walk behind you for a little bit, and there's a the second rink. So, there you go. Uh, chillers aren't bad. Uh, Northwest Ohio, I've gone to call at the cube in Finley for a game, and that's a nice rink. It's very warm up in the press box because I have those like hot pipes right above you. It's actually the only game I can remember removing my jackets to call a game. (laughs) It was quite toasty up there, but it's a nice venue, nice place in Finley. It's your first rink uh, after you leave Troy. Uh, Team Toledo Ice House was nice. There's a private uh, press box. Uh, You can open up. I think there's a couple, actually. But we were on uh, the non-bench side uh, for Centerville at uh, Toledo-Whitmer, which is only about, what they tell me, 400 meters from Michigan. So that was pretty cool. Uh, That's the only Northwest Ohio experience I have. I've never been to Northeast Ohio to call games yet, so I can't accurately tell you any in that area nor nor north or I always said Northeast, uh, Southeast, uh, Kent, Ohio, U. Yeah, that's that's my take on it. Uh, that's those definitely Nationwide would be the best, uh, followed by Heritage, and I'm sure, um, uh, what is that called? Rocket Mortgage, where the Cleveland Monsters play. I'm sure Toledo Walleye's view is great, and uh, Huntington Center. I uh, mentioned Heritage Bank again. You know, the... Dayton Bombers play at the Nutter Center, and they were set up, I believe, on the fourth floor. When Rice State's ice hockey got like a one time a year thing at Nutter, uh, they set us up in the fourth level, yeah, because the Nutter Center is a gigantic building and not really built for hockey. Uh, which, uh, if you know the history of Nutter Center, uh, Section 200 used to be a set of stairs that could collapse and come back out for our other shows, but for Wright State basketball, it was a set of stairs that went from fourth floor all the way down towards the court and they got rid of those when the Dayton bombers moved in in 96 so uh Not Center's not a bad place you're pretty high up, but eh it could be worse now you might wonder why I haven't mentioned hair arena well they're demolishing it in fact right now I think. Uh, they're actually taking a bulldozer to it and getting rid of it. Yeah, definitely that was my favorite rink to broadcast from, but can't count it now. It's gone. So yeah. So World Hockey Report. I know that was a very long-winded answer to best rink in Ohio to broadcast from, but those are my picks. That's pretty much everyone in Southwest Ohio. Uh, I did mention the Goggin Ice Arena actually. When we're in the main rink, oh, man, it's beautiful. I love, I love Gaugan Ice Arena, and that's probably my favorite that we regularly broadcast from, thanks to Talawanda calling that home. Uh, the B rink isn't bad, but at the same time, when you're in the A rink, that's where the Red Hawks play. The B rink is more synchronized skating, club hockey, when you know the varsity team's playing. Sometimes club hockey gets the main rink, too. But you get what I'm saying. Wonderful facility, can't complain. Probably my favorite regular stop. So, there we go. Hopefully that was uh, not too long-winded. But, there's another question from... Actually, I guess there isn't. There's another high school hockey question, though. This is from Cody Jansen, Janner31 underscore on Twitter asks, Best high school hockey team and player in Ohio this season? Player's a little tough because... My knowledge of Northeast Ohio is very, very limited. I can tell you the best team. You know what? Saint Ignatius. They're on a five state title winning tilt. So until someone dethrones those Wildcats, I I don't see, you know you know, Saint Ignatius has to be top of the mountain. You know, if you win five straight titles in the sport, then yeah. I will give you best players around here, though. I I know it's not Ohio, but these are definitely kids that deserve a solid nod on this. And I'll give you best teams, too. So the Alternites, I'll start off with them because, you know, ABC order. Then I'll quickly forget that I'm doing that. You know, the Knights are going to be interesting. They lost a few seniors that made that team click. But at the same time, that's a well-coached, well-stacked team. And... Last year, my answer for best player on that team would have been Jack Augustine, the captain, because he made things happen. But, you know, those nights, it's hard to pick a player just because how well-depth they are. In fact, probably the best depth on any high school hockey team in the immediate Dayton area. I think Molar, St. X, and Talawanda will give a run of Alters money, but... You know what? I I think Alter is a very strong team. And my best player on that squad will go to what is he? A junior now, Will Augustine, the younger brother of Jack Augustine who's now uh, graduated. Yeah, he's a great wingsman. And definitely I could uh I could try remembering all the players. I'm actually seeing the Knights tomorrow night. Uh, they picked up a home game because again, Kettering apparently won't hold ice hockey for the foreseeable future. But yeah, give me Will Augustine. I think he'll lead the Knights in scoring, and I'm very curious to see who takes over the captaincy. Uh, Robert Pearson, you know, he's a great goalie, and he's going to lead the reins for the Knights. Oh, by the way, if you wonder how the Knights are doing this season, they're recently coming off a two-week quarantine. So, yeah, the COVID's going to make ice hockey season fun. No, it's not. It's already three weeks in and my head's spinning from all the changes. It was very sad that that didn't get any likes, but whatever. But yeah, so I think Alter is probably the best team to beat in Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League. Beaver Creek is right there too. They lost a few important pieces, but you know what? They still have Thomas Bush. And I tell you, Thomas Bush can skate. And you can also score goals. There was what game was it where he scored five? Was it the Troy game of Frozen Creek? Yeah, I definitely think I would say um, Thomas Bush is probably the best player on the Beaver Creek squad. Although, again, well-coached team. They're led by Greg Gunnerman, and he's a former Air Force... Um, oh, I just lost it. He's a former member of the Air Force... So definitely thank you, Coach Gutterman, for your service. If you're listening to this podcast, Beaver Creek might not have the same depth on the bench, but what they have is extraordinary. I mean, their first and second lines, there's not really a dip in talent. You know, as you go from line to line, you know, you expect, I don't know if you expect less, that's not the proper term, but you know what I'm saying. Your top line is normally, you know, your go-to wings and center. If you get my drift, but with Beaver Creek, I mean, you still have the same amount of talent and the goaltending might be a little young. In fact, uh, they have a newcomer, Ian. I think the announcer of the broadcaster, Kent Jacobs is calling him Champagne where his last name spelled champagne. I'll find out tonight. I promise. But you know, they also have second year Beaver and Ben DuFord, which is his younger brother to former defenseman Joey Duford. And they were great players. Well, Joey's a great player, and Ben is a great player for Beaver Creek. So Beavers are a tough out, and I think, you know, with their experience, they can take on Alter, definitely. For the Springboro Panthers, I've called all but one of their games. I missed that Saturday game at Miami where they won 9-2, yes, I'm 0-4 with the Panthers when I'm broadcasting them, which don't tell anyone that, but um, yeah. Um, Ryan Schroeder, you know what? That's a big toss-up. Panthers, they have a lot of depth. They've always had a lot of depth. Maybe not as much this year, and I don't know how much is that from the coaching change or COVID, but you know what? Best player, I'll I'll toss it up. I think it's Either Ryan Schroeder, who's the captain, or J.D. Schumann, who's the alternate captain. J.D. Schumann is a... he's becoming a two-way player. Normally, he's on the defense. He's hes really tall. I think he's the tallest Panther out there. And he can also play up front, too. I, I mean, with that, you know, flexibility, you know, I think... And Schumann's got a really nasty shot, too. So, it's definitely fun to watch Schumann uh, shoot and score. Um... So yeah, Panthers are a good team. A rough start, though. I mean, first three games, they were taking on really strong teams, but at the same time to play in the Capital Hockey Conference, which is, uh, you know, all but three teams are in Columbus, Ohio. If you want to battle with the toughest division of the CHC, you got to play tough opponents. So, you know, it might be one and four record, but hey. Lots of learning experiences, and you prepare for the next game. Uh, Panthers get Walsh Jesuit in for tonight, and Sunday they'll go to Springfield to take on the Dayton Stealth. I had to think about that. Originally, they're supposed to play Centerville tomorrow for hockey for a cause, but uh, that's no longer on the athletics website. So I I wonder if that streak is in jeopardy for hockey for a cause uh since I'm trying to think when Springboro started that I they've done it for a long time where they go to a certain cause uh type 2 diabetes uh, autism I think down syndrome was one year uh there was a member of the Springboro hockey family that uh, was uh down the luck I think a bad accident hurt them really badly you know Springboro gives back with hockey for a cause and past few years, it's been Centerville with the event, too. And it's been a great event and something I'm definitely proud of. I don't know if that's happening this year. I honestly don't. So anyway, I can't give you Centerville because apparently they're going club this year. But I don't know who's on the team. And, you know, Centerville's kind of on a two-week break from athletics. So there's definitely that. Uh, Talawanda. Oh, boy. Talawanda if you think I was gushing on alters depth, why do you see Zach Senn's team? I mean, I'm sad that they're not in the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League, but I get it. I mean, they want to they want to play tougher teams. They want to get further in the playoffs. They want to prove that Southwest Ohio isn't just, oh, an easy walkover in ice hockey. It's not, but, you know, there's I feel like there's more teams in Northern Ohio in terms of that. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot of... Um, A lot of depth. A lot of great pieces. Best player, though. Mm. I don't. I don't. (laughs) I'm trying to think who's still on the team. You know, who graduated last year and who's on the team. You know what? Ree Benamani, I think, is back on the team. I mean, great shot and great player, definitely. But, you know, for Talawanda, there's no shortage of that. I wish I got to see the. Brave and the Thanksgiving tournament, but that got canceled. So maybe I'll see Talawan in the future. Who knows? Um, Elder, I'm not entirely sure. I will see the Panthers uh, tonight, actually, against the Beaver Creek Beavers. And I look at this roster, there's fewer and fewer players that I recognize from years gone by. I mean, when I started doing high school hockey, it was St. X and Elder in the southwest Ohio. There's just bullying over everyone. Saint is still a great team. Elder really lost a lot of talent. They they've fallen from the top to you know, and you know, it's going to take some time. But I I think you know Elder will get back to top tier. It's hard for okay, it's hard for you know the GCL South teams to build. Yeah, you can make the argument they can recruit. Yeah, I get that, but. Think about it. There's no like middle school team, so they're you know having to go through the youth hockey organization. Cincinnati Swords, uh, definitely one of them. Indian Hills got a youth hockey organization. The Rangers. Uh, Miami's got their own program in Oxford. I feel like I'm missing one in Cincinnati. There's the uh, Norfolk, Kentucky, of course, and Junior Cyclones. You get what I'm saying, though. It, it's, it's tough when you have to get freshmen in, and there's little time to gel. I, I guess that's what I'm saying. So... For elder best player, there's not a lot of uh, players that I recognize off the roster, but you know, I see, I see a few names. I recognize Gabe Neidhart. he was a good skater. Johnny Lenhart's good. Uh, Max Herms was good last year. Uh, Nick Neighbor too. Uh, I think Gage Breton is the goalie for the Panthers, but I don't. I'm not entirely sure, honestly. Uh, I do recognize a lot of last names. There's Alex Honorado, who's a first year skater, but I believe he's the younger brother to Michael Honorado, who was a great player. I just recognize, or not recognize, but I just remember a lot of the players that Eller had from years gone by. They had the Larkin, pretty sure they were brothers. They might have been cousins. The Larkin family. Um, Charlie Garnett, great skating defenseman, hard to stop. Definitely a wizard on the power play. You know what? I'll I'll have to come back and tell you who the best player is on Elders' team. Just because I'm going to see him tonight and I want to make, you know, an accurate statement on that. So definitely looking forward to seeing the Panthers and hopefully Joe Dale Prince is still at the helm. Great guy. Fantastic talk to. So, yeah. A lot of fun. Do I have another question? But I still have so many teams to cover. (laughs) Ah. Uh, Saint Xavier. I mean, they're they're now led with uh, Bob Bove, who's been with Norfolk Kentucky for the past few years. He's now the head coach of the Bombers, so it'll be interesting to see them. Hopefully, I get to see the Bombers sometime. Huh, I get to see him Sunday. What am I talking about? I don't even know what I'm broadcasting. i just the changes. It's hard to keep up, and it's only the third week. I feel like a idiot, but at the same time, um. Um, Yeah, St. Saint, Saint X. I don't have the roster on hand, but I can tell you, Bombers are good. So, Moeller, I got to see them once. They're always great, great depth, and definitely I think they got a lot to prove this year in the capital. Best player, Um, I didn't get to see him at South Metro, but I still think Brennan Morton-Strauss is an amazing goalie. Uh, Jack Framby's was the goalie for Muller that game against Springboro. And he only allowed two goals in the second period. He's a first-year Crusader and a senior year at MHS, and he did wonderful. So definitely my pick there. Uh, Mason, if they still have him, Gavin uh, Tremonti, he's a great goalie, and I think he'll do wonderful things this year. Mason's building the program up. They were a club a few years back when they got off the ground. But, you know, Coach Knudsen, he's from North Dakota. He's got a hockey pedigree. I think he's building up the pro- program wonderfully. I think Tremonti is my pick. Sycamore, you know, the best player last year was Colin O'Shea because he was a great skater and, you know, but it is, he he came over from a youth hockey program and that was his senior year at Sycamore. So, I'm a little sad we don't get to see him anymore. But I think uh, Coach uh, Mike Wells, he'll build the program up. In fact, this is all before COVID, so, you know, trying to find out if this still happened or not. Apparently, he said he was expecting, like, 19 kids to come into the uh, camp for the Aves hockey program. So, uh, Marty Kahn, definitely probably the best goalie in Southwest Ohio. Definitely the backbone of the Aviator's success. So, definitely looking forward to seeing the Aves. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Troy. Troy's an interesting case. Uh, they're led by second-year coach Rick Zabo. He also helped uh, start the program back in the 90s, and his uh, son, J.D. Zabo, is assistant coach. And he's also broadcasting the games on Facebook Live. Also, a previous guest, and also gave us our first question. Wow, this is almost 45 minutes in. <laughs> this was always supposed to be about 30 minutes answering questions. I'm getting long-winded. I'm sorry. But... You know, uh, they lost Zach Ulenbrock. He was the captain and definitely a great player. I remember when I was guesting on the Ohio Hockey uh, Digest on-air podcast, I was talking about when Troy lost to Beaver Creek. What was it? 17 to nothing. It's like 17 to nothing. He was shocked about the host, uh, ex- uh, the host uh, surprise on that. It's like, yeah, it was 17 to nothing. And Cole Gutterman scored eight goals in that game. I remember that quite well. But, you know what, the Trojans, I can actually go and find out because I'm not sure when I'm seeing the Troy Trojans. Hopefully soon. You know, the thing about broadcasting local high school hockey is I love seeing the local schools, but I also wish there was more. You know what I'm saying? I I know ice hockey is a very expensive sport, and especially in southwest Ohio when, you know, hockey or ice is a premium, you know, and I hate looking this up because I feel like an, I feel like I, I should know this, but they still have uh, Gavin Burris. And I thought, you know, that young man's doing great. He's a great skater, and, you know, just first year alone, I think he'll do great things for the Trojans. So that's definitely my pick on that. And I think that's all the local teams, isn't it? <laughs> I'm asking you. Like, I should know this, but... Uh, yeah, so that's my pick of best players in the area. And definitely I look forward to seeing all of them. And I know it's not best player in the state. I I can't make a great guess on that, and I'm sorry. But OhioHockeyDigest.com has all that scoop for you with people sending in articles, such as myself, about Southwest Ohio hockey. So definitely give that a try. And I'm sorry it was kind of a cop-out answer but there you go. Thank you, Cody, for the question. Now we got a couple from Lou Gamelin. I was a host, I was a guest on his podcast, and I have to return the favor soon. I promise I will. The first question is not about Cincinnati Dayton sports, because yes, I follow sports. I mean Cincinnati Dayton's my hometown. It's my backyard. It's where I grew up, and this is where I've always lived. But I follow sports, and this question is about the New Orleans Saints. Does Jameis Winston deserve a shot after the abysmal yet winning performance at Taysom Hill? Now, if I remember right, Taysom Hill's the backup quarterback to Drew B- Breeze. Drew Breeze? No, God, not the Bs. Drew Breeze. And I think, what does he pay, like $30 million to be the backup for a couple of years? Yeah, which uh, for backup quarterbacks, that is uh, a little bit steep. But hey, uh, you know what? A win is a win is a win. It might have been ugly, but if Taysom Hill can prove that, you know, the abysmal ways are a fluke, then, you know what, roll with a hot hand. If you think that he can't, then, yeah, Jameis Winston, he's looked good so far with the Saints. And, you know, he's trying to prove, Jameis Winston's trying to prove something, that, you know, his time in Tampa Bay was a fluke, especially the previous year before Tom Brady came in. I still can't believe That happened, and you know, Brady's showing the father time cares not who you are. And New England, uh, I mean, I want Cam Newton to succeed, but Patriots might miss the playoffs, and I have to accept that. But anyway, you know, if you think that Jameis Winston gives more to Taysom Hill, give Winston the start. If you like what Taysom Hill did, give him the start. I personally think. You know, Taysom Hill's not your average quarterback who can, you know, throw it in the air. He's more you know, he's more like a Swiss Army knife in that sense. Whereas Jameis Winston, you know, once he's going, he's a great quarterback. I know he can be a great quarterback, but you know, the turnovers <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, If the coaching staff likes Taysom Hill, go with Taysom Hill. But I I honestly think, you know, until Taysom Hill proves that he cannot win, you stick with a hot hand. You stick with your pick. Because if you just go back and forth, then it's just, I don't know. But that's my take on it. Stick with Hill until he proves he can't win. You know, again, a win is a win is a win. Even though his style is definitely different than Breeze. You know, and of Times also catching up with Breeze as well, which is sad. But Now Lou asks a Cincinnati area question on the second one. What is it going to take for the Bearcats to make the CFB playoff? <laughs> well, I like to tell you winning, but uh, the one, what was it? The game before UCF where they dropped a spot for winning is Houston. Yeah, because I remember making a big stink on this. Um. Yeah, you beat a Houston Cougars team, which is supposed to be pretty good. They're oh, what? What's the guy's name? He was a offensive coordinator for West Virginia for several years, then took the Houston job. I forget what his name is, but uh, apparently he's supposed to be really good offensively. Hey, a win is a win is a win. It shouldn't drop you down, you know. And. I think Cincinnati's getting the raw end of the deal if we're talking about this. And I know I'm going to probably offend the Buckeye fans that do listen to this podcast. You know, I think Cincinnati should be higher up in the rankings because, you know what? They played more. And I, I know that's not entirely Ohio State's fault, but that's the cards you're dealt with. You know? Cincinnati's already played, what, seven, eight, nine games? Now, I know the Temple game got postponed, which... That sucks, but what can you do there? It, I like to tell you just when, but we already saw the Bearcats fell after they beat Houston. So, you know, I, I hate to have to say they need lucky bounces, but it's almost like lucky bounces. I mean, look at, you know what, we'll go, let's go do our research. Look at the names on the uh, college football poll, And yes, I am losing my voice, which is a great statement because I got two hockey games tonight, uh, a basketball game tomorrow, a hockey game tomorrow, and a hockey game on Sunday. So yeah, my voice going out like this and a basketball game Wednesday, which uh, hopefully happens. So let's look at the rankings for December 1st. You look at the... Top six. Bearcats have already played eight games, by the way. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, that school in Columbus, Texas A&M, Florida. And then there's the UC Bearcats. Most of those schools have suffered a loss. Clemson suffered a loss to, what was it, Notre Dame? Yeah, I think it was Notre Dame. And I forget if Trevor Lawrence was still out or not. And it looked like Boston College was going to be the first to... upset Clemson, but the Tigers pull it out in the end. You look at those names, and what do you think? It's recognizable. These are names that you hear constantly. Whereas Cincinnati, I mean, yeah, if you're in the Cincinnati area, you root for the Bearcats, of course. You follow UC football. That's what you do. But, you know, the American Athletic Conference isn't, you know, part of the Power Five. So, you know, that's the struggle there. And you know, let's face it. I mean, losing UConn might have hurt a little bit, but uh, football-wise, no, no. So that's that's a problem. and I still think UC needs to explore options and maybe moving up in a conference, maybe a Power Five conference. So, uh, but that's not going to happen this year. You're not you're not going to just jump conferences in the middle of the season. If you did, then that'd be worth talking about, wouldn't it? But uh, there you go. So, do I think it's fair that school in Columbus is fourth after playing four games? Not really. I mean, look at the Big Ten. I mean, that's not... uh, I mean, you think that school in Columbus, Wisconsin, maybe Northwestern, because they did beat uh, the Badgers. At least I think they beat the Badgers. Indiana's having a surprising season. I mean, they, they dropped uh, quite a bit after the loss to that school in Columbus. But still, hey, look at the Hoosiers. Maybe they'll be strong uh, coming up. Northwestern's 14th, Wisconsin's 16th. So, Severn Cal is 3-0. Hey, fight on, Trojans. Um, You know, I don't have a full-stop answer. I think that the committee has a duty to look at this. It's like, look at UC. They've handled pretty much all their opponents quite well. I mean, the only close game, you think about it, was UCF, at UCF. And as a team, what Dan Hort say? Did he say that they averaged like 600 plus yards in a game? Now, granted, they had a game where they literally had like 800 yards and something. But same time, you'd be a UCF team that's, You know, really good at UCF. So, hey, it's a good thing when the schedule doesn't want to load. There we go. So the last game up for grabs for UC is at Tulsa. And that's scheduled to be, what is that, next Saturday? Hey, I was right. Look at me go. Um, Well, obviously, win at Tulsa. That's a big thing. I think Tulsa is... Pretty decent, aren't they? I thought they were. Then again, I get Tulsa and Tulane mixed up from time to time. That's just because I'm stupid. But their, their names are so familiar. That's my excuse. Wow. This, these standings. Wow, this site loads up really slowly. How is Central Florida still on top of the AAC, yet Cincinnati beat them? What kind of standings are these? That's stupid. Anyway, definitely win at Tulsa. That's the big thing. And, you know, I I think if you can't play in your championship, your conference championship, then you don't deserve a spot. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. I know COVID and everything, but that's how I feel. I mean, you have a 4-0 team over an 8-0 team. Really? Just... Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not a that school in Columbus fan, and hearing nothing but that school in Columbus stuff in Dayton radio, that's why I do this podcast, and that's why I get pretty angry when you know, people just root for that school in Columbus, and you know, but that's me, I'm the, I'm the weird one in Ohio that doesn't root for Ohio State because you know. I, I, I believe in the fact that you don't have to root for Ohio State when you live in Ohio. I know. It's weird. But, yeah, that's uh, definitely win at Tulsa. And hopefully, you know, 4, 5, and 6 suffer losses. And, you know, let's talk about UC. That's my thought. But there we go. What questions do I have left? Did I answer all of them? I think I did, except we got one right through the pipeline. This is from Michael Galloway, Browns rule for zero zero seven. I'm sure he's loved my <laughs> Browns comments. It's just, you know, when the local sports radio bashes the Bengal, local, I mean Dayton, when they bash the Bengals and just like, oh, the Browns are untouchable. No, you still lost to Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Get over yourself. You know. So, yeah. So this is this source is from Mike Dyer, and this is about the Molo Crusaders football team being penalized for a recruiting violation. See, I saw this, but I didn't read up too much on it. Because, you know, private schools, you can recruit. You know. I remember a time when I was working with the Ohio Sports Radio Network, uh, watching a game on, watching a high school football game on Fox Sports Ohio, and... I think almost every single commercial break hey come to Mueller so you know it's it's different public private I know but again Mike Dyer wonderful source of Cincinnati High School news in the area and definitely one of my favorite uh, you know favorite sources of news uh, this is from wcpo.com the ABC affiliate in Cincinnati and this is from Sycamore Township Ohio Wait, Sycamore Township yeah, whatever. The Ohio High School Athletic Association announced Thursday morning that Mulder High School violated an OHSAA bylaw regarding recruiting within its football program. The OHSAA said that one of Mulder's football coaches sent an email to the Greater Catholic Youth League 7th and 8th grade coaches requesting to attend their practices and obtain contact info for their parents and athletes for the school's admissions department. The coach, who was not named in the infractions list, attended one practice. The OHSAA said Muller has implemented self-imposed penalties, reprimanding the coach, making him send an apology letter to each youth league coach, and requesting a recruiting compliance seminar with the OHSAA staff. Mike Asbeck, the athletic director for Mueller, told WCPO, it's been a learning experience for us. We're moving forward from it. We look forward to the future of Mueller football moving forward. Worked with the OHSAA through this, and like I said, it's been a learning experience that we're all going to learn from and move forward in the best way. My thoughts are, you know, if the OHSAA is satisfied with that, then that's fine. But, you know, I, I wonder... Because in Ohio high school sports, you get the constant bombardment of, you know, private versus public athletics. Should public schools just spin away and just have their own thing while the private schools do their own thing? Which I, I, I don't like that idea. I mean, sure, that'd probably make it more fair, but I, I don't know. I, just, I think there's a better way to deal with this. I think, you know, make it level for the public schools and the private schools. You know, if you're going to open recruiting, then open it up for everyone, not just private. You know you know what I'm saying? I'd want to see where kids succeed in Ohio. That's my big thing. I mean, when I talk about success in Cincinnati-Dayton, I don't focus on just one school. I mean, ice hockey, I talk about, you know, the few schools I cover. Now it's four because of the fact that's what I cover and that's what I see. But for success, I want to see success in Cincinnati Dayton. That's part of the whole purpose of this podcast. So, I don't know what the right answer is for private v. public, but I, I don't. I, I honestly don't know. So, so in, in accordance, going back to the article, in accordance with Bylaw 11, OHSA Executive Director Doug Ute's office also imposed the following penalties. Muller High School shall be publicly reprimanded, which is in the media, so I think that counts. The Molar Admissions Department shall discard any contact info provided to them by the coach. Any further recruiting infractions personally committed by the coach during the 2020-2021 or 2021-2022 school years will result in, at minimum, a two-game suspension for him in following OHSA football tournament should Mulder qualify. The OHSAA accepts Muller's request for a compliance seminar for all its coaches, and Muller High School shall be fined 1000 bucks. You know, if that's what the OHSAA says it's fair, then, you know, like I said, I, I wish we could have a level playing field, private v. public. Like I said, I want to see good sports. I want to see athletes succeed, no matter where they are. I don't want to see... I, I just want to see athletes succeed. I want to see great sports in the area. That's me. So, yeah, that's that's my take on it. I know that's kind of I uh, I don't know how strong of a take that was. But, you know... Well, I, I think Muller's learned their lesson. I don't see it being a, a thing that keeps happening. So... I mean, there's a good people that work at Moeller's athletic department. I got to meet a lot of them, and, you know, they're not in the business to cheat. They're in the business to see the Crusaders succeed at the higher level. So, yeah, I, you know, and maybe it was a misjudgment on that coach's part. You know, you go to the seminar, you know, and things are paid. Bam. We don't talk about it again. So that's my take on it. So. Yeah, I guess that's the end of Malin's mailbag, huh? How long did that take me? Over an hour. Goodness. I know talking about all the best players around here probably is why it went over an hour. I did not think it was going to take that long. Well, I thank everyone that sent in questions. Michael Galloway for the uh, question during the the uh, recording. Also thank JD Zabo for the first question. On Facebook, thank the fine folks at Twelve Ounce Sports for chipping in questions. Jeff Beck, World Hockey Report, The Sports Dance, Lou Gamlin, Cody Jansen. Thank you all for adding into this episode. It's been it's been great, and hopefully, this is a regular thing. Maybe not every month, but you know, on a regular basis, because I want to see people have a chance to chime in, because. Let's be honest, hearing my voice week after week, it's probably not the best listening material out there, but who knows? Maybe it is. But I I definitely appreciate you, the listener, and you, the folks that put in the questions. So thank you, and hopefully we can do this again. And that concludes Malin's Mailbag in episode 194 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. A couple quick tidbits. Tidbits. The fact that Joe Burrow, I mentioned during the mailbag, a successful surgery. Hopefully he's back next year and hopefully the offensive line is stronger. Oh, please, please get that offensive line better. Please. Um, What else is going on? I, I think I've mentioned a little bit about the Reds. I think Kyle Farmer is back with Cincinnati on a one-year deal. Let's scroll down. <clears throat> College football has officially started in Dayton. The Flyers were 66-63 winners over Eastern Illinois. While the Raiders, the Wright State Raiders, finished last night with an 80-64 to loss. Had a lead as high as 10, but the Thundering Herd came back. That second half was all martial. And Wright State's offense went cold. We do have the Wright State-Miami battle. Looks like it'll be at home at the Nether Center. Saturday at 4. We're time for a tip-off, but hey. <sighs> I was going to say if I had FM radio, I'd be able to listen to it, but eh, what do you know? So yeah, Rice State fell in their first game. Dayton beat Eastern Illinois in their first game. Uh, some news outside the Cincinnati-Dayton area. The Staten Island Yankees have folded and are suing the Yankees and Major League Baseball. Now, I- I've talked about this on previous episodes, how the minor league baseball landscape is changing. No more more Pioneer League. Billings Mustangs are now independent, and the friendship with the Cincinnati Reds is over. And that was a relationship that lasted since 1974. So Billings got to be a small part of the Big Red Machine. By small part, I mean they were part of the Reds farm system. 1974 until... 2020. That ain't bad. But Staten Island suing the Yankees and MLB because they were promised they were still going to be part of the Yankees organization. And they shouldn't be worried about, you know, changes. Yeah, that turned out not to be true. So that's going to be fun. And I think things in minor league baseball are going to get really ugly like this. I expect to see... A lot more lawsuits like this. Now, if they're successful or not, I can't tell you. But I think things are going to get ugly between MILB and MLB. But we'll see. Edison State has made a difficult decision. No indoor sports for the spring semester. So no basketball for the Chargers, which is a shame because the girls' basketball program is dynamite. Probably one of the best junior college Teams in Southwest Ohio. They're up in Pick One, in case you didn't know. Now, Jason Graefer on Twitter uh, shared something I shared about the oral history on Cincinnati Christian University's uh, football program. Man, that's a tough read. I mean, not because it's written poorly or anything. That's not it. It's just sad to see what Cincinnati Christian's football team went through and just the. You know, atmosphere and everything. I recommend giving it a read. Uh, Miami will not play Kent State thanks to COVID striking the golden flashes. Uh, Xavier, they're off to what is it now? 5 0 start. So, pretty nice year for the uh, Musketeers. I was going to say Bombers for a minute. What is wrong with me? Uh, Muskie's men's basketball program looks pretty strong. And you know what's next? The Crosstown Shootout. Woo! I can't wait. I, yeah, it's shootout. So there's two crosstown things. this cross crosstown showdown, which is high school football, which is Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area. I got to broadcast, what was that? Lakota East at Princeton. Is that the game part of the uh, crosstown shootout or showdown? I knew I was going to do that. But yeah, crosstown shootouts next. Savior UC. By the way, the Bearcats want to know they beat Lipscomb. So definitely some good college hoops in store in the area. The Reds' decisions, declining to tender contracts. The one I'm still scratching my head on is Archie Bradley. Uh, The 40-man roster is now at 30 players. Actually, 31 because Farmer did sign that one-year deal. Yeah, I don't get the Archie Bradley decision. Kirk Casale, too. He wasn't offered a contract, which I I think the Reds... are trying to go either they're shopping for a catcher or they're saying, Tyler Stevenson, come on down. You're the next big catcher of the Cincinnati Reds. Like that price is right, flow. I did. That's why I said it. Um yeah, Archie Bradley, that shocks me. He's one of the better, you know, relief he's probably he's part of the better back end reliefers relievers. Reliefers. <laughs> relievers in Major League Baseball So again, maybe they decide he's not part of the Reds future. Maybe they're giving him a bigger contract. I don't know. But yeah. Uh the other um two I mentioned Brian Goodwin. He's not tender contract, so he's a free agent. And RJ Alan's Alanis? Alanis? I don't know much about him, so yeah, that's uh that surprised me. And I hope Archie Bradley does consider coming back, like Natty underscore sports mentioned, too. Man, I tell you, on social media, it's a lot of fun to be part of Cincinnati sports, you know, just because of the fact there's so many, you know, diehards. And it's fun to be in the middle of it. I'm part of the quiet middle, sure, but, you know, it, it's fun. So, yeah, I I, I don't... I. The Reds got Bradley to help bolster the bullpen for the playoff rush, which turned out to be a two-game sweep at Atlanta, which the Braves did get far for falling to the Dodgers. But I, I yeah, the Cassali thing—I, I, I, I'm pretty sure they're going that route of Tyler Stevenson. Which, hey, that's pretty cool. I got to see Stevenson in Dayton. You know what else? The Reds also got rid of Robert Stevenson. They packaged him with, oh, there's a second piece, for Jeff Hoffman and Case Williams, I think. Case is a pretty big uh, a pitching prospect. So it'll be interesting to see how Derek Johnson molds him and also um, Kyle Bodie as well, Bodie. Also, the Reds add Eric Jaegers. Jaegers? assistant pitching coach, and he joined November 2019 as assistant pitching coordinator, so I'd like to see if I can bring up that trade real quick, and then that'll probably be it for this episode. Like I said, the Bengals, you know, people might be upset that they didn't come back and beat the Giants, but at the same time, this season is lost. Burrow is gone. Get Sewell from Oregon, you know? Has it really been that long? I. There we go. Jeff Hoffman and Case Williams to the Reds. Oh, Case Williams, by the way, was the twenty twenty fourth round pick for the Rockies in exchange for Robert Stevenson and Jamison Hanna. Jameson Hanna was the piece uh, for the uh, Oakland Athletics when they shipped Tanner Roark out west. I remember him. He did not play in Dayton, but yeah. Uh, Case Williams, that'll be interesting. Jeff Hoffman, a little bit rocky. But again, Derek Johnson, he's a pitching guru. And Kyle Bodie, he's with the Reds. You know, let's see how they fix Hoffman. I think he'll turn out to be quite nice in Cincinnati. But again, that's guessing. And here's hoping we have a 2021 season, right? And that concludes episode 194 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Again, thank you to everyone that sent in questions. And you can always send in questions to Mallon's mailbag. Twitter is the best way. Send pod or the Lee W. Mallon. Those are fine. Instagram, Facebook works too. And we'll talk to you again. Episode 195. We're back to local sports, not on Dayton radio. Again, this has been episode 194 of the Cincinnati Nine Dayton sports podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure and bookmark Sindaypod.com, the official website of the local Sunday sports podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way of listening to future episodes on platforms such as Apple podcast, Google podcast, TuneIn, in Pandora, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app and more.